We are Crossroads Grace Church. Our purpose is to lead people to discover Jesus and follow Him fully. Today we have our pastor of recovery, Jimmy Roulette, speaking on thankfulness. From wherever you're listening, we hope you are challenged and encouraged by this week's message. Ever feel like that guy? You know, you go through the day and things are easy to miss, right? The blessings of God are easy to miss. Sometimes we think they're so small, we don't even count them as something to be thankful for. I know I do that sometimes. Uh, it's very easy to do. Well, good morning. My name is Jimmy. I am the pastor of Recovery Ministries here at Crossroads Grace. I'm really, really excited to be up here talking to you guys. Um, thank you. No, keep going. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, now, yeah, so we do this thing on Wednesday nights called Celebrate Recovery, and it's a really, really awesome ministry. We actually have a table in the lobby today. If you have any questions, you can go check it out. Uh, some fine volunteers that will kind of help uh, steer you along there. Now, when you hear recovery, um, I know what you're thinking. It's very easy to do. When people hear recovery ministry, they think drugs and alcohol, right? They think a small circle of people meeting in the basement under a light bulb, hanging from the ceiling, smoking cigarettes and drinking really bad coffee. Well, we have really bad coffee, okay? We have that. But it's so much more than that. As a matter of fact, fun fact about CR, only one out of every three people that attend Celebrate Recovery anywhere comes for drugs and alcohol. That means the other two-thirds of people that attend, and it's around the world, Silver Recovery is, come for other reasons, other things, other uh, habits or addictions, because addictions can come in all kinds of shapes and sizes. It's not just drugs and alcohol. So, I'm glad to be here. Now, let's jump in. First of all, I want to say, many of you know that our lead pastor, uh, Pastor Brian, had a really successful baseball career, Right? Uh, I don't know what he did in high school, but I'm sure it was pretty darn good because it got him to the University of Nebraska, D1 baseball, where he played for two years. Okay? Now, after that, he played two years at Augusta College in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Then following his collegiate career, he played two years of professional baseball with the Sioux Falls Canaries in the, uh, nor the Independent North League. Now, we have a picture that we're going to show on the slide of Pastor Brian. Uh, there he is, right? And I, by the way, I got permission to use this picture from him and everything because he's a pretty humble guy, right? But there he is. And that's pretty awesome, right? That's pretty great, right? Yeah, come on, come on. But I would like to take a minute to remind you all that he's not the only pastor that graces this stage that had any kind of college career in the game of baseball. Come on, that's right, holla. That's right. That's right. This guy, no lie, oh yeah. I too have a bit of a past that pertains to baseball at the collegiate level. For the Palm Beach Atlantic College fighting sailfish. No lie, that's what we did. No lie. Hey, you laugh, but that's true. Uh, and not only that, I just happen to uh, have brought along, I don't know why this happened, but I just happen to have a couple of pictures of me in action playing the sport of baseball. So uh, if we could show that first slide, um, don't be afraid. <laughs> you guys are laughing way too hard at that, but yes, 
That's, uh, that's really not me, but that's kind of me. Uh, our sailfish look like little red birds. I'm not really quite sure why. Pretty hardcore. It's fun to dig these old picks out, but there's more. Um, you know, I kind of use my baseball skills to make a little extra money on the side as a college student. So let's uh, take a look at that. Yeah, okay. That's not a good shot. Let's show the other one. It's a little more of a fuller shot. There we go. There's that python, right? Right? What do they say? I got to go with the vet because these pythons are sick. <laughs> All right, I got to stop. Okay, so haha, ha, I know, we laugh. But I have to say, truly, that's a true story. I played baseball uh, for uh, Palm Beach Atlantic College sail, uh, fighting sailfish for a total of two weeks. <laughs> two weeks. And that's actually an exaggeration because it was 13 days because uh, I missed the first day of practice. Um, but even though I had a very short career, here's the truth. Here's why I'm telling you all this. There's actually a point to this, is that we had this awesome baseball coach, Roger LaChapelle. And at the end of every practice, he took the last 30 minutes of every practice, and we would work on the fundamentals. The fundamentals. Here were college ball players, but we're taking time to work on the fundamentals. I'm talking like how to throw, how to catch, how to field a grounder. Right? How to slide, how to hit, how to run. All these foundational things. He would take the last 30 minutes and make us go over that. And his reasoning for doing that, I promise you, was so powerful that it stuck with me even to this day, 33 years later. And here's his philosophy. His reasoning, he took that precious time of practice to remind us that our fundamentals have to be solid. So we can be solid no matter what the game may bring us. Does that make sense? So we can be the best player we can be in all situations. He would always say, how can you turn a double play if you can't even throw the ball? But man, that made perfect sense. I could throw the ball, I still couldn't turn a double play, hence my 13-day career. Um, so that's the moral story of my brief college baseball career, that it's important that every day we remember to revisit the fundamental, foundational things of our faith, of our walk with God. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about one of the most important, fundamental, foundational things of our faith, and that's thankfulness. Now I know, it seems kind of cliche, we just had Thanksgiving, so we're going to preach on thankfulness. But it's more than that. It's more than that. It's a lifestyle of Thanksgiving we're going to talk about. I'm going to tell you why. And I'm going to tell you some things that I hope you may have never thought of before that will encourage you along. Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 14 through 18, <coughs> it says, We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. This is Paul writing to the Thessalonians, telling him the stuff, just like Coach LaChapelle would tell us. Here's the fundamentals. Okay, do these things. And then he goes on in verse 16. He says, rejoice always, pray continually, and give, here we go, here's what we're talking about today, give thanks in all circumstances, because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There's Coach Paul, man, hitting the fundamentals, right? Don't forget these things, they're so important. Now you may be saying, okay, yeah, great, thankful in all circumstances, you have no idea what I'm going through right now. You have no idea, and guess what? You're right. I don't have any idea what many of you are going through. 
Okay, I really don't. And I'm not doubting at all that your life is hard, almost unbearable. But there's a reason why God says this, okay? The word all, when we look at the word all in the Greek, we're talking about all circumstances, the Greek word is pass, okay? Pass, very simple, just says pass. But this word is such an incredible word because what it really means is when it says all, it means each and every part that applies, each and every part that applies. In other words, it's saying all in the sense of every part that applies. The emphasis is on the total picture of our life being one piece at a time. One piece. There's so many little pieces. We saw in the video with this guy that we looked at a little earlier. Man, all these little pieces. He was just gliding right on by. I tell you what, this reminds me of the serenity prayer. And many of you are, how many of you are familiar with the serenity prayer? Okay, yeah, a lot of you have heard it. Okay, we're going to say it together right here. All right, and this might be the, the prayer that you're very familiar with. And it goes like this. We're going to have it on the screen and let's, let's read it together. Okay, let's, let's just read it together good and loud. Okay, here we go. Ready? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Okay, stop right there. Okay, you guys have heard that probably. Maybe seen it on a keychain or a bumper sticker or a mug. Maybe you got it hanging in your cubicle. That's all good stuff. I'm not making fun of that. That's awesome. We're very familiar. But guess what? There's more. There's more to that prayer. And this, this is just good news. Here we go. Let's get the next part up. Here we go. And say it together. Ready? One, two, three. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. What? Taking, as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy with you uh, in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Isn't that awesome? We say that weekly at Celebrate Recovery to remind us that life is a moment by moment thing, and that we can be thankful and find joy minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, because the minute by minute pieces of gratitude add up to a thankful, strong life. It really does. And that's exactly what Scripture is saying. And that strong life teaches us to face new circumstances that come our way, okay, from a standpoint of thankfulness instead of a standpoint of fear or envy or bitterness. Our default setting in life is not thankfulness. I hate to tell you. It's just not. We just don't come out of the womb just thankful for everything. And let me tell you this too. Living life, living a life of thankfulness doesn't just happen. It's not just some autopilot thing. Here we go. The first point I want to make here is thankfulness is a choice. Thankfulness is not our automatic default. It is a choice. It is an acquired skill. It is a cognitive decision we make. It's not an emotion. It's not. We don't want to be run by our emotions because our emotions are all over the place. One of my favorite verses is 1 Peter 1.13 and really just the first half of it. Okay, it's five words and, and when we read it, when you see this, you're going to memorize it because five words. You'll never forget this. I guarantee it. Here we go. Prepare your mind for action. 
Brilliant. In the Bible, brilliant? It just makes perfect sense. Prepare your mind for action. In other words, we plan ahead how we're going to respond to the action of life. Code for circumstances that come our way. We plan ahead. You know what your day is going to be like. Look, I've been here three months, three and a half months from Florida. And I can firmly say, I know I'm taking my life in my hands when I get on the road to drive to anywhere. Okay? I don't know what it is. I really don't. Did you guys know in Florida we have this thing where people in the left lane go faster than the people in the right lane? Just spread the word. Tell your friends. Okay? <laughs> but we know that's going to happen. But, so I have a choice to decide what am I going to do. And that means that if I live negative, that's a choice. If I live fearfully, that's a choice. If I live entitled, that's a choice. It's a choice. Just, wise, just like uh, living thankful is a choice. We decide. Now, again, it doesn't happen overnight. If you're sitting here saying, you know what? I think I want to start living thankful. I got news for you. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not like you flip a switch and all of a sudden your whole DNA, your whole brain activity changes and you're suddenly this thankful person. Because, here's why, becoming more thankful and living life thankful is not a problem to solve. It is a path we have to change. All right? Just wanting to live thankful isn't going to make you thankful overnight any more than wanting to live more healthy is going to shed those pounds overnight. No, just like anything else, it's a process. It's a journey. It's a hike. It's a path. A few weeks ago, I took my kids to uh, Yosemite and we went straight to the trail that leads to Taft's Point. Has anybody been to Taft's Point in here? Does anybody, am I saying that right? I might not even be saying that right because not a single hand went up. You should go. And if it's not called Taft's Point, it's still cool, all right? So, but here's a picture of us there. It's about a 2.2 mile round trip hike. And our goal was to get to the point and enjoy the view from 3,000 feet above the valley floor. That's incredible. We don't see that in Florida. So we did. Now we had to, we pulled up and we had to find the path that we wanted to walk on. And then we got to the beginning of that path. And we weren't there yet because we had to take a step and another step. And we had to go in the right direction down that specific path to get to that specific location. Now, just like anything, and, and I'm a flatlander, I know, from Florida. But along the, the trail, sometimes it goes up, right? And man, it's a little harder, you know. <sighs> and then sometimes it goes down. And it's a little easier, like, yeah, right? And then sometimes there's those hidden things that you didn't notice, the things that I tripped over, like roots and rocks and things like that. But that's all part of the path. And guess what? We made it. And what a view it was. It was such a beautiful view. It was so incredible. We saw just incredible beauty. And check this. This is a tightrope. Maybe if you've ever been there, there's a tightrope going across this drop off there. And then there was another one you can't see going over here. We got that. There's people walking on these tightropes 3,000 feet up. Now they're hooked to something because one guy fell and he's like doing and he lands right back on top. I'm thinking, this is California. This is crazy. <laughs> they do crazy things here. But it was absolutely gorgeous. Oh, here's a tightrope right here. Maybe you can see it right there. But it was absolutely gorgeous and we made it. Now check this out. Colossians uh, chapter 2 verse 7 says, um, 
before this verse, it says, just like you received Christ, um, keep doing this. And then he says in Colossians 2, 7, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him, rooted in Christ, now the process of building begins and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing, I-N-G, continuous with gratitude. So becoming thankful is an acquired skill and a process based on choosing to live rooted deeply in God rather than according to our emotions. It's a daily journey. Now check this out. I have a sponsor. His name is Todd. And Todd has been my sponsor for 13 years. And Todd knows me better than anybody on the planet. He really does. Right? And there are times where I'll call Todd and I'm in a whiny mood. Right? I know none of us do that, but I'm the only one. Get in a whiny mood and I'm calling and I'm... What do we call it? Venting. I'm venting with Todd, right? And I'll go on and on and on and on. And then I'll stop. I'm out of breath. I'm sweaty, whatever. And he's so cool. He'll just, it's, there's like a little break and he'll say, are you done? And I'll say, yeah, I'm done. That's not the response I was looking for. But yeah, here we go. And then bam, he just hits me like a ton of bricks with truth, right? And so he taught me something that, that I never heard of before. It's called the gratitude list. And you've probably heard of it before. It's not just a recovery thing. But it's a strong thing in recovery. Because what you do, and, and I was going to put this in your bulletin. I was going to make like a little gratitude list, kind of cool looking, so you can take it home and do it. And I said, no, no, no. This is on you. You go to Walmart. If you really want to do this, go to Walmart, buy a notebook, and do this. But I encourage you, if you do this, you'll be glad you did. And you'll come back to me in a couple weeks. You'll say, hey, Jimmy, I'm glad I did that. Because this is true. You write down things you're grateful for at the end of the day. I'm grateful for. Like if this guy in that video, I keep pointing to the screen, he's not there anymore. But if that guy in the video did that, thankful for water, thankful for my job, thankful for health, blah, blah, blah. We can be thankful for everything because the Bible says in all. And so I challenge you to do that. And then after you write your little list, it doesn't have to be long. It could be two or three things for that day. It doesn't matter. But just pray and thank God for these things. Right? That's how we work our thankfulness muscles Right? There's no muscles there. Stop looking. But th that's how we work our thankfulness muscles every day to become more thankful. I don't know, uh, a lot of you probably have little kids or at least have had little kids. When our kids were little, I've got five kids. When they were little, we'd always let one of them pray grace for the meal. Right? And that is an adventure in and of itself because it was, God, thank you for the napkins. Thank you for the fork. Thank you for the spoon. Thank you for the knife. Thank you for the butter. Thank you for, and on and on and on. And meanwhile, I'm praying in my own little way, God, please keep it warm because it's getting cold because this is going on forever. Okay? But it is... Uh, we can be thankful in all things. Number two, it's a choice, but number two, thankfulness is a lifestyle. I love this. This gets good here. In Acts 16, okay, in the beginning of the chapter, up until where we're going to pick up here in a second, Paul and Silas, uh, they got arrested for doing something that wasn't exactly what they're accused of doing. It wasn't illegal what they did. They cast a demon out of somebody. Um, and so the person that was the manager of that somebody that the demon came out of, that, that person got really mad, reported them to the police. The police brought them in before the authorities. They were uh, deemed guilty, found guilty. But not only that, the authorities let Paul and Silas be beaten by a mob, Scripture says, with wooden rods, a beatdown, okay, for something they didn't do. Now we pick the story up that I'm getting to here in Acts uh, 16, verse 23 through 25. It says, they were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. 
So the jailer put them in the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. And around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were, what's that word? Listening. When I read that passage, and I do this a lot when I read scripture, I think, what would I do if I was in that situation? I think I'd be mad. I think I'd feel, get my feelings hurt. I think I'd be really hurting physically from the beat down, right? I don't think singing hymns to God would be the first thing that would come to my list. I don't know if I'd be busting out my hill songs and just singing in the jail because I'd be so mad. And by the world standards, Paul and Silas had every right to, every right to be mad. But after years of developing the skill of trusting God and being thankful in all circumstances... And letting thankfulness become their lifestyle when it really mattered, they knew what to do. When that action hit, they knew what to do and they were prepared. They sang and prayed. Now check this out. It also says, you guys said it, the other, prison, the other prisoners listened. They listened. They didn't shout, hey, quiet down, or hey, you guys are kind of pitchy, sounds a little karaoke, or hey, uh, Freebird, or hey, you know how late it is. No, they listened. They just listened. They soaked in the truth that was being sung. I wonder if Paul and Silas didn't know that was happening, and maybe that's part of the reason why they sang. I don't know. But I know worshiping in the middle of the night in that jail from a heart of thankfulness brought peace to other people too. Those nameless, faceless, forgotten prisoners that night. And I believe they did it because they were rooted in Christ. They knew who they were, so they knew what to do. If you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Their lifestyle of thankfulness was a real deal. And that's powerful. And I think that says a couple things to us right here. Number one, I think it says, believers who are deeply rooted in Christ walk with the source of joy within them at all times through all circumstances. When we're deeply rooted in Christ, we walk with a source of joy that's alive at all times and all circumstances. So it stands to reason, if I'm not walking thankful, then I am not rooted in Christ enough. And that goes... For all of us, the closer to God we are, the more thankful we are. The second thing it shows me, though, is that true thankfulness and peace that comes from that source of joy within us cannot be denied by the world. Lost people are attracted to the truth within us. Lost people are attracted to the truth within you. It's undeniable. The world wants truth. That was the lifestyle of Paul and Silas. But guess what? There's more. Right? Verse 26 tells us uh, in Acts 16, 26. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake. Right? We understand that around here. Uh, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. And all the doors immediately flew open. And the chains of every prisoner, not just the godly ones, the, the chains of every prisoner did what? They fell off. They fell off. All the doors flew open and all the chains fell off. Which means this, third point, living thankful opens the prison doors in our lives and it sets us free. 
free from what? I'll tell you. Living thankful frees us from living envious. Living thankful frees us from living in fear. Living thankful frees us from living as a controller, a controlling person. What do I mean by that? You ever see people and, you know, behind their back you say, man, that guy's a control freak, right? Or that girl's a control freak, right? We say that. Guess what? I got news for you. Most people who are control freaks are not control freaks because they dig having the power. It's because they are terrified that the same thing that hurt them before is going to hurt them again. And they think, if I control people, places, and things, and it's a false belief, but if I control people, places, and things, I'll be safe. And therefore, to us, because we don't know what's going on inside of them, we think they're just control freaks. They just want power. Most people, take my word for it, most people are full of fear when they're control freaks. I was a control freak for many, many years. And I'm not a power-hungry person. I was terrified, terrified. So let me ask you this. What are you not free from? Let's bring this home for a second. What are you in prison to right now? What is a pattern in your life that you cannot defeat? How would others characterize you? Do you know people, people have you characterized? When they say, oh yeah, I know Jimmy. He's whatever I'm characterized by to them. Do people say negative, self-focused, fear-filled, angry? Do they say peaceful, joyful, a giver, happy, generous, dependable? These negative things are the things that act as prison cells in our lives that keep us from knowing true freedom. That's the enemy's goal, is to keep us from knowing true freedom. And God's goal is to set us free. It's that simple. Let's go a little bit further. You got to know the recovery guy's got these questions, right? Sorry, I don't want anybody to raise their hands. And really, I can't see anybody because of the light. So I'm not looking at you because people say, hey, you were just talking to me, weren't you? I'm not. I'm not because I can't even see you. But let's go a little bit further. Is there a secret side to your life that you can't overcome and you can't find any victory over? Is there an addiction that keeps you shackled in your jail cell? Let me say this first of all. If that's you, you're not alone. There's a bunch of people in this room that that describes, right? Number two, there's no shame. We're not here to throw shame. As a matter of fact, that's why we have Celebrate Recovery, so people can come to a place where there's no judgment, there's no shame, there's grace, and there's mercy, and there's love, and there's acceptance, because we're all in it together. And quite frankly, we're all in this together. This picture in Acts chapter 16 paints a thousand words of a picture. This verse, this passage, just tells us, man, just tells us, there it is. Thankfulness leads to freedom. Thankfulness leads to freedom. It's the life lived on the path of being rooted in Christ. And therefore, thankful in all circumstances, it's that life that finds true freedom from the prison cell and the shackles. Let's watch this video for a second, and we're going to hear from Jeremy, who's going to prove this point out with his story. Let's turn our attention. February 2016, I was sitting in service here, and uh, Pastor Brian was giving a sermon on 
baptisms and out of nowhere I had this tugging on my heart that I wanted to give my life to Christ and I never had that thought in my mind. So I decided to give my life to Christ but while all this was going on I still had some wreckage of my past that I needed to handle and one of those was a DUI. Well, a week later I got told that I was going to have to pay for my consequences which was 30 days in jail and the old Jeremy would have instantly just ran. Decided that I gave my life to Christ and this is how he pays me, but I took it as an honor and I wanted to go and handle the wreckage of my past and I knew I didn't have to do it alone because I had Christ with me, which gave me the strength to turn myself in instantly. They gave me 90 days to turn myself in, but I didn't know where I was going to be in 90 days. And, but I knew that I wanted to handle it right then and there. So after what it seemed to be like the longest week of my life, that morning came that I would turn myself in. I had this huge plan that I was going to take my Bible and my big book in and I was just going to post up for 30 days and relax, but they had other plans. They wouldn't let me take my Bible and they wouldn't let me take my big book in. And I was thrown in a six by eight cell alone by myself with just my thoughts. So I was good for about the first day and a half, but after the second day, those walls started closing in on me. Negativity started consuming my head. I was questioning my decision. I was questioning my decision if turning to Christ was the right thing to do. But I did something different that I've never done before in a situation like that. Like I earnestly prayed to God. It wasn't a prayer to just get me out of my situation, but it was a prayer for God to change my heart. And he put it on my, on my mind to make a gratitude list. So I started making a gratitude list in jail with my little three-inch pencil. And once that three-inch pencil hit the paper, it, was, it just flowed. I was grateful for my sobriety. I was grateful that my family and my friends loved me and supported me again. I was grateful that I had a place to go when I got out. But I was more grateful that when I got out, I wasn't going to be doing this alone, that I had God with me. And instantly, it was like those walls came crashing down. That six by eight cell, was not there anymore. And it was like God just took me out of the prison that I was in. Like, I mean, I literally was still in jail, but I was in prison in my mind. And just a grateful heart and a love and a passion for Christ took me out of the negativity that your mind imprisons you in. I love that because Jeremy said something in there is so cool. He said, when he decided to become thankful, it was like the jail cell wasn't even there. I love that. And it's such a, such a real story. And we hear more stories like that, Silver Recovery. It's gutsy to go up there and just share your story. I really appreciate Jeremy doing that. And you know what? That's why we do communion. That's why we do communion because Christ died to set us free. He whom the Son set free is free indeed. And we do communion because we want to show God that we're thankful to God for all the things he's done for us, but primarily sending Jesus Christ to die on the cross in our place. And then rising again three days later with his incredible resurrection. We are thankful for that. I can't think of anything else that deserves more gratitude than that. If you've discovered Jesus and this ministry has helped you follow him fully, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give through our Crossroads app or at crossroadsgrace.org give. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this. Now go and follow him fully.